How good is that music? It's rocking. <laughs> good morning, everybody. Welcome morning. to the map. Good morning. The welcome. Welcome to the map. The mental health and addiction podcast. Uh, we started this podcast back in January of 2019 to help bring light to issues around mental health and addiction. As you may know or heard, one in five people in the U.S. struggle with mental health issues, and over 70,000 people have overdosed. And this is an issue that affects communities and does not discriminate based on geography or economic status. Mental health and addiction affects us all. So today we have a very special guest, Margot Montgomery Moran, to share her story of her brother, NFL All-Pro punter Greg Montgomery. But before we get started, let's meet the panel. I like that, to meet the panel. Um, joining us, as always, is the great Kristen Perry Long, who is down in Florida. I feel very left out. No. <laughs> Chris, who are you? What do you do? What's your deal? I don't know, man. I got all this old people air. I think I'm losing brain cells living yep. here. Just kidding. Um, my name is Chris Perry Long. Um, I am a family educator for Aware Recovery Care. We are an in-home addiction treatment program that's uh can be 52 weeks long it's an amazing program um and uh i didn't choose addiction addiction chose my kids and um yeah and that's it in a nutshell all right and you love your job with aware I love my job you love, love your job and you're not in a car today driving somewhere nor laundry <laughs> or on a picnic or <laughs> Making a Looking at birds. Out. Okay, very good. And and we also have the great Willie Drinkwater. Willie, who are you? Hi ho, hello. Um, person in long term recovery. Been working in the field of mental health and addiction for for over thirty years now. Uh, work work with addiction with co-occurring disorders. Mental health dual diagnosis is the expectation, not the exception. I'm also an educator for UMass Boston and the Addiction Counseling Education Program. And you worked at the Rock of Boston, WBCN? In the old days, WBCN, the Rock of Boston, 104.1. And you're yeah. a former hockey goalie. Right. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, let's let's get started the show. We'll hear from Margo in a minute. Wait, so, who are you? Yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah who are my, you? Okay, my name is Andy Bernstein. I have... Okay, that's somehow, enough. Oh, yeah, forget <laughs> it. Um, I, I, I've been working... Um, somehow I stumbled in this space. I used to host a radio show, um, created a radio show with Kevin Stevens, former NHL player, and about addiction and mental health. And while I'm not in recovery per se, I am on a journey, as we all are recovering. We're all recovering from something, so... Um, so I really became passionate about this, this space, and I um, uh, wanted to use media and my background to help others bring to light this, um, this di disorder or disease that's affecting so many people. So does that work for you, Chris? Is that good? Perfect. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I pulled a quick article and uh, I just wanted to bring this up because you know with being home and there's so many um, opportunities for social media to connect with people there was an article uh, from a TV station in Harrisburg uh, ABC 27 in Harrisburg and the title social media usage linked to mental health so while a great platform to connect with family and friends social media can also be damaging to our mental health Right now, especially with the recent election and the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, experts warn of spending too much time on social media apps. And um, a recent study at the University of Pennsylvania followed 103 graduates 
as they limited social media usage to 10 minutes per day. At the end of the three weeks, researchers found a significant reduction in loneliness and depression, as well as decreases in anxiety and fear of missing out. To, and so what you can do is you can actually check your social media usage um, on screen time on your iPhone, and you, there's ways to limit your app usage and schedule downtime away from your phone. So we've heard, I love this because we've heard that social media can affect mental health, but this actually puts some numbers behind this theory. So Chris and Willie, what are your thoughts about this? Does uh, social media ever factor into your worlds of addiction? Does that ever become a trigger for, for people? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean you get people that get stuck in an algorithm too, where, you know, they read something negative and then everything they're being fed after that is another negative article, negative article. So, I mean, if you get stuck in an algorithm, it's, yeah, it can be detrimental to say the least. Well, I mean, if you think about it, it's like news, social media, kind of their cousins, right? They're just, and social media, social, social media uh, is very one-sided um, because typically it's presented in a way that, you know, like the whole, so I have a friend who- You do? I do. I have one okay. friend okay, and good. they used to be my neighbor and they are uh, very politically one-sided and- um believe that like this whole corona thing is not real that being said it's you know you watch the news and the news says it is real you watch the numbers and it says it is real and then you have this person that is and it's like it's a highlight reel it's a highlight reel you find yourself like are you that like i believe it's real like the news tells me it's real, but then you question. So then you go back and forth. And so then you have somebody that's that's vulnerable and, you know, can't handle that conflict. And so what do they do? They self-medicate. Well, they know? just had an interview with that nurse. I think it was in Iowa and stuff. And she was saying that, you know, people people were, were in the hospital, you know, dying of the virus and they were angry because it, because this isn't supposed to be real. This isn't real. And, They're you know, dying. Their last dying words was, yeah. this isn't real. Yeah, yeah, this isn't real. Yeah, there's you know? no accountability on this thing whatsoever. I mean, mm-hmm. so it's... Uh, no, I mean, know, you know, I mean, how long have we been, you know, like, 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 like now they talk of news cycles. They, they never talked about news cycle when I was growing up, you know, the news cycle, you know, and, you know. Well, you and now make- everything is the vaccination is knocking at your door, right? The vaccination, they're saying we're going to get it by December. We're going to get it by April. We're going to get it by January. You know, so you, you, the whole anticipation and the whole misconception. And it's like, you know what, until something is concrete, until it's out the door and it's on its way, don't report it. Don't yep. put it. Don't tell us we're going to get these vaccinations in December when actually, actually, we're not going to get them. And to be honest, like I don't really know if I want this vaccination because it's six months old. And how can you have a study? Well, you All don't right, want the vaccination, you know, because Microsoft is going to be putting a chip in it to follow you. you know, All right. So, like it. we always do, we've gone <laughs> off on a complete, <laughs> complete tangent, yeah, tangent right? Yeah, we'll be yeah. back, though. We'll switch channels and we'll get back to where we were. <laughs> yes. Um, at another point in time. Okay. Let's shift gears. Yep. Um, joining us today is our special guest, Margot Montgomery Moran. Uh, Margot is the sister of former NFL All Pro punter. Greg Montgomery, he, um, so first of all, Margo, I wore my Tigers hat for you today. I appreciate that. The D, all right. Um, 
you and I haven't spoke, but I ever spoke, but we've talked via online. And, um, so, um, so it's nice to meet you, but let me give you a quick, uh, background. So, um, Margo's brother, Greg played in the NFL, uh, from 1988 to 1997 for the Houston Oilers, Detroit Lions and Baltimore Ravens. He was a standout punter at Michigan state and was chosen to be on their all centennial super squad. I actually met Greg in 2010 at the Super Bowl media row before the 2010 Super Bowl between the Saints and Colts. And a friend of mine from Baltimore, where I grew up, knew Greg from his Ravens days and thought he and I should definitely connect. So she introduced us and Greg and I spent about two hours uh, that day talking about his life after football and his desire to form a coalition of sorts of like-minded folks who are about ending the stigma around mental health. And so Greg shared with me his personal battles um, with bipolar depression or with bipolar disorder and how he wanted to help others with the platform he had as a former NFL player. And he and I got into some pretty deep stuff and a lot of laughs uh, that day. I was peddling barbecue sauce and I was, I had all my, uh, you know, my uh, bottles of barbecue sauce and I'm fumble in and stuff and he's like clank 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 um anyway um that day we also saw uh 60 minutes legend andy rooney sleeping and greg's like <laughs> he's sleeping let's go wake him up and so we went <laughs> and tapped on him and uh and so you know it was funny so we got a picture with him there it is there it is uh <laughs> it was so funny um uh so he had a, a few nicknames for me and teased me about being scattered scattered I love the guy, and I didn't talk to him that much over the years. Uh, I had him on my radio show in 2018, and uh, re- and he fired off an email to me that he lost his mom, and I replied and texted him, but I didn't get any answers. So um, this past August, I was looking at Facebook and noticed there was now a Gregory H. Montgomery Jr. Foundation, and I knew that Greg had wanted to do something like this to share his story and help others but I read further and I discovered that Greg succumbed to the mental illness that affected him. Really hit me hard and uh, a great guy with a huge heart and love for people. So ironically, I'm writing this up yesterday, I'm typing it, and I felt Greg talking to me. It was weird. Ando, thanks for helping or thanks for doing this. I really did feel it was weird. So um, I had reached out to his sister Margo to come on our show and, uh, and to talk about Greg and the work she's doing and the mission of helping those who struggle with mental health. So welcome to the show, Margo. Welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, Sorry about the preamble. Oh, it's all good. It's, you know, (laughs) so I don't know, you know, what you, you know, I I don't know the full, full story. I don't know what you're comfortable in talking about, but could you um, tell us a little bit about Greg and kind of, his story and, you know, kind of how his, you know, how um, mental health and bipolar affected him. Yes, absolutely. Um, thank you for having me. And I have to tell you that in such a heartbreaking time in my life, I've never felt more held up at the same time. So it's 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 bizarre. Uh, there's so much love and support out there. And I appreciate you um, having this platform. It's so needed. Thank you. Um, and William. Absolutely. And yeah. And uh, I found this when I was packing my dad's house uh, up. Uh, so I, I just got back from tennis. Here's some Euler swag. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, got to represent. Yeah, absolutely. Big I'll send you the promo we did because I have him in his Euler's uniform punting. 
Oh, I'd love that. Yeah, I'll I'd send it to you. Yeah, so Greg, um, I still, I'm not used to the word was, and I probably will say is because he will always be my oldest brother. So Greg is my oldest brother. Um, growing up, he and I, I was the little pain in the neck, um, you know, and, and <laughs> I definitely ticked him off a little, a lot. And, um, but over the years, I'd say um, late high school, early college years, we really, really got close. Um, he is a very um, spiritual person. He was a really deep person. He cared so much about people being heard. Um, you know, my parents recognized that there was some issues going on when he was younger. And when we were growing up, it wasn't readily talked about. Mm. Um, so growing up, he was very serious and he was a perfectionist and that got in his way. And um, it was kind of, it was kind of a good thing when it came to perfecting his kicking and punning. Um, however, it's kind of a, it's a hard measure, right? Like perfection's a hard measure. And um, so over the years, I'm trying to think, you know, he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder in 96 or 97, I think. He was with the Ravens. Um, and I know that he was self-medicating a lot before that. You know, um, I don't know if you know this about me, but um, I'm sober, I'm recovering. I met my husband in AA. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. And um, I've been sober about 30 years. So when I saw Greg spiraling a lot, I knew what I was looking at. And he was very open with me. I'll never forget my 21st birthday. Um, he flew me down to Houston and took me to Rolling Stones. He treated me to a spa day and bought me a brand new outfit. And he was just so proud that his sister was sober he thought that was really cool oh. and he would say my sister's awesome she doesn't even drink isn't that all? and i know that he really thought that was cool i don't mm. think that he ever really felt that was attainable for him mm. um so i was young um when i got sober and many times we would have interventions and we'd talk to greg about um destructive behavior and you know when you look back at it you realize it was self-medicating mm -hmm. and um it was really hard because he was so successful and i think he would justify it with well you know um, i play in the nfl and i do a pretty darn good job and mm -hmm. but that doesn't always necessarily mean somebody's well or happy right right yeah so um, I specifically remember a time when he called me and he was lost. And this is before he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. He was depressed and he actually, um, sought God and was baptized in his pool in Houston. Um, he was always someone that believed in a higher power 
he knew, you know, that there was this great, huge force out there and that we're all part of it, you know? Right. Um, he would always say, you are it. Not necessarily meaning, you know, that, that we're divine, but more you are it like is, as a collective, that all of us are pieces of that you. Right. And he would always talk about what you put out in the universe is going to come get you. So, Karma. you know, <laughs> exactly. You know, it's just what you, what you, what is, was it, what you do and say on a continual basis will eventually come out in action. Right. And, right. Um, so that it actually, it kind of goes back to what you guys were talking about with the whole COVID thing and the social media thing and the, mm all-encompassing um trauma of this time in our lives you know um it got to him oh he spun out well so let me let me back up for a second um yeah. so your family is um you know uh you know good looking family your dad was a um or it was a uh a um played at Michigan State. I believe he was a quarterback. Yep. Okay. He played. So you're a legacy family. Greg played, um, wanted to be a, a linebacker as well. Yes. Yep. But punting, um, punting was kind of, um, something because of injuries, I guess he, he went into punting. Yeah. He slipped discs in his back when he was, I believe a sophomore in high school. Mm. And um, the doctor told him he couldn't play contact sports. Well, mind you, hockey was his number one love. He was a great mm. hockey player. He was a great baseball player, which not so much contact, but mm. um, but he loved football too. And so he would get up, and this is before he had a license. So yeah, he was like 15. I think he was a sophomore in high school. My mom used to drive him to the Y at five in the morning where he'd swim laps to strengthen his back. Mm. And he was very dedicated and he wanted to play football. And um, he actually wrote down, and I wish I had it. The I check? For, sorry? The check? He, he, he put, didn't he like write a check saying he's going to have a million dollar contract and he. Yes, that, <laughs> that, that's a right, that's a story too. But there's also um, a note he wrote saying his goals and he was like 15 years old and he said i will be a member a special teams member in the nfl by blah 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 and my mom actually framed it and he kept it all those years mm. and he had it framed and then i i don't know what happened to it Tr truly i feel like i'm coming out of a blackout after right. <laughs> losing him my, my uh, greg called or my dad called me on August 23rd after Greg had died and and my dad by the way what a freaking rock star hero he's my hero too uh the two Gregs right, right. um but anyway my dad called me and I was on a 6 a.m flight the 24th and so when I say that I feel like I'm just coming out of it I had to go back to my um emails and text and reread things because I was just hmm. But anyway, when I was packing up the house, I was looking for that framed because I yes. it meant a lot to him that he fulfilled, you know, his goal. And he didn't say, I want to. He said, I will. He right. And he he and um, so 
he uh, when he retired, he started doing he started um, pu- uh, teaching punting. Mm-hmm. To uh, he had a unique style. The what was it? The set and pull. That's exactly right. Yep. Set and pull See? technique. I, yeah. And and so he had this unique punting, and it was kind of zen in the art of punting. So he would teach former players on how to how to um, adopt his approach. So Donnie Jones was one of his big. Um, uh, proteges and Nick Saban was somebody that he um, played pl- pl- uh, played for when Nick was a coach at Michigan State if I'm correct and yep. then Nick went to Alabama and stayed and Greg and he um, stayed in touch so Nick would bring him in to teach his punters on on his approach so um, so Greg and, and I remember that um, he told me that he headed down to IMG Academy to um, for training, you know, to be a part of their, um, football program. And apparently it didn't work out for him. And I think he was pretty devastated by, Mm. by that. So let's, let's fast forward, Margo. And I don't know, I don't really know the details, right? I know that, um, you know, succumb to mental illness. Can you kind of talk a little bit about kind of what happened? Cause I, I don't know. I just read, Stop. So I don't know if you feel comfortable about talking about that. Oh, but. you know what? I I take a deep breath and I'll tell you anything because it's okay. very important for everybody to know this stuff, right? I mean, okay. silence is what keeps everything going on, yeah. you know, right. in a negative way. So, um, so Greg, we okay. So he talked to you about losing my mom, yes. right? And so it was a year, October nineteenth. 2020. So October 19th, 2019 is when my mom died. And she, um, yeah, that was hard. But um, anyway, she had cancer. She was diagnosed in January, um, or she told us at least in January, she didn't want to ruin our Christmas. That's so mom. Um, Anyway, um, they gave her two to three months without treatment and with treatment 10 to 12 months. And um, my dad and mom discussed it and she said, you know what, I feel great. I don't wanna you know, last longer and feel sick. So she, um, with the help of Greg, he was absolutely fabulous. And what a rock star. Um, he, so my mom went on a keto diet and ate everything clean and took supplements and between my my dad and my brother, they cared for her. She lived nine months and she was so great. In the last few weeks um, of her illness is really the only time she looked sick or acted sick and felt sick. And fortunately, Greg was there and was doing great. And he would go through bouts of being well. And um, that's that's why it's so hard, it's so difficult. he would have a few years at a time where he was just rocking and rolling. And then um, he would self-medicate, you know, and I think people talk about the legalization of marijuana and how wonderful it is and this and that. And it's like, you know what, that was gasoline on Greg's fire. It Mm. was, um, and obviously he did it to self-medicate, I think maybe when he was becoming manic Mm. and that, so then he would, um, when he would go down that rabbit hole, um, mania is, is pretty scary stuff. 
um, I, I'm trying to think when, so he was great all through my mom's illness and um, he was working with um, an organic skincare line and they're awesome people too. KPS. Yes, exactly. KPS Essentials, right. Yes, yep. And they actually um, give the foundation part of their um, proceeds of when somebody buys a KPS product, they Mm. put some back into the foundation. They loved Greg and they had a great rapport with him and um so anyway but i just wanted to mention them because they were they're an all organic because greg was very much into um what you put into your body and what you put on your body wheatgrass i had with him and i thought it was lawn clippings it was the worst thing i've ever tasted in my life it was so bad and he he had flew out to san francisco when i was there for my wife's um conference and we're walking the street. He's like, I'll be out there. Right. I don't know. And he was like, I'm coming out. So he comes out and we're walking the street. I've, I'm just remembering this now. We're walk, oh, hey, let's go get wheatgrass. You're like, heck oh, no. shot of wheatgrass. I'm like, are you kidding? That's the most disgusting thing. I really could have taken my bag of lawn clippings and ate it. It was awful. So anyway, I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. But anyway, so he um, was working with them doing um brand marketing and um just it was a great time in his life and it happened to be about the time when my mom was ill and he really helped take care of her and um then my mom passed away in october and then he went out on the road and he would punt um coach punting clinic you know and we talked about that actually um nick saban like you said, coached him at Michigan State, but Greg moved down to Baton Rouge when he was at LSU before Alabama oh. um, and, and worked, you know, with that uh, set and pull technique. And that's where I think he met Donnie Jones. I okay. think down at LSU. Yeah. But anyway, um, he maintained those relationships, you know, with different um, NFL players and also NCAA coaches where he'd do little clinics to help um, the punters. And so he went out doing that um, in the spring. And I, I can't tell you exactly that whole year. This whole year has been just kind of a big poop emoji. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying to, trying to remember. But anyway, um, so he went off and did that where you'd go to different places and he'd always go down south. I know he um, would go to Alabama and then this this June was the first time where he didn't go to Alabama to coach Nick's kids okay. because of COVID. But every summer, every spring and summer, he would do that. But anyway, um, you know, with bipolar disorder, I don't know if you if you've read up on it or, but it's very cyclical. And so he'd be doing great, be doing great, and then all of a sudden, it just wouldn't be so great. Mm. And. Um, I think what happened with that IMG thing, I think he was manic. Oh, okay. And uh, that did not help him. Um, unfortunately, um, he felt that it needed to be the Greg show and not their brand show. <laughs> and, right. And that's just brutal honesty, right? I mean, that's some hard stuff um, to have to contend with. And then once um, people have been manic and then they come down and they suffer the depression of the um 
the part of the illness, that can be months at a time. And I do remember that IMG thing. I remember he was, when he, it's almost, I'm not saying when he came to, but definitely when he came out of the manic um, part and then more into the depressive part, he would tell me, oh, I can't believe I did this again, you know, and had shame. And um, that's all part of this roller coaster with bipolar disorder. And I really believe that had we had more tools when we were younger, um, that something would have been more identified in him at a younger age. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, I think it's crucial for our children to have, or the parents and children to be educated on all this before people be get into adulthood. Mm -hmm. Last week, our guest was um, Stephanie Marcusano with the Harris Project, who I want to connect you with. Um, he was I fabulous. I watched that. It was, okay. I, yeah. Yeah. She she definitely wants to meet you, and I'm going to make a connection. Um, and uh, we have an we actually have an idea to, to bounce off you as well. Stephanie's lovely, and um, so uh, I guess because um, I know it's all been a blur. What were there some certain events that kind of triggered um, Greg in this particular uh, thing? And, and 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 was it you know? And Willie Willie is an addiction counselor, and Chris works in. Um, more than an addiction counselor, he's an addiction specialist. A, and, um, you know, B Willie is, suffers from bipolar disorder too. Um, I may have a small, um, you know, I take medicine for it. It's a low lying, but I take medicine for it. Chris, nice face. And, um, <laughs> and, and well, I didn't know we were like having all these full disclosures. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Learning well, something new. No, I'm, I'm very, proud of I'm it. Very, I, very, I, I, used to do a, I used to do the blog, the bipolar counselor. So, I mean, I'm out there I'm very, anyway. Very, I'm yeah. very curious um, about, um, you know, and, and Willie, maybe you can kind of like, before we, we dive into, are there things that are absolute red flags as a child that, can kind of open our eyes you know you talk about education and stuff but are there like behaviors that yes. you know might just be fucked off <laughs> yeah but, yeah i mean, I mean i'm not what, talking what, like about that kid that locks themselves in the room and pulls yeah, the no, shades no. down Obviously, that's I mean, the depression but yeah yeah i mean with the bipolar pieces too if it if, if it comes out in early adolescent and teen if i was a social worker i'd call it oppositional defiant disorder it's like there's real agitation and, you know, just just you say yes and I'm going to automatically say no. And it can be can be misinterpreted as just, well, it's just a phase they're going through. But usually, you know, you know, the teens and stuff, oftentimes if the bipolar piece is coming out, it's agitation. It comes out as a real edge on it and stuff. But I usually see people. People, you know, I mean, it runs in families. There, there definitely is a hereditary part to it. The only other time I've seen the diagnosis is, is if someone's suffered a head trauma. And that can bring on the diagnosis too. But uh, yeah, you know, the, the bipolar two, you can rapid cycle all over the place. Bipolar one tends to be the one that I, that I think I'm hearing about here. It tends to be a secular uh, thing, a cycle, you know, and uh, uh, you know, I mean, you know, when I work inpatient psych, you know, uh, fall and winter, people would go into uh, 
into a depressive phase in spring and summer, they go into manic stages. I, they're, they're doing a lot of research now in the Scandinavian uh, countries on seasonal affective disorder and bipolar disorder. There seems to be a correlation yeah. between them, you know, so. But yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's curious about the seasonal because it sounds like he was seasonal. He would go through these cycles mm. of ups and then downs. Mm. Um, yeah. But now, Willie, can yeah. a uh, preteen have bipolar? Yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not really too keen on when I see a Boston psychiatrist diagnose it and is someone that's three or four years old. I mean, you know, right. and wants to put them on medication at three or four. I mean, you're talking about a developing brain. You know, I mean, the human brain develops right until age age 25. So. You know, I mean, do you really want to be, you know, altering neuro pathways at three or four years old? You know, so. well, how 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 important I was going to this was one of my questions for you, Margo. Um, how important is and, and you guys can answer the family dynamic? Um, does uh, are there any, um, uh, you know, not um, clinical, but are there any things that um, can go along in the house, whether it's trauma or things like trauma? Um, that can help uh, exasperate that or trigger that? You know, is there something that brings that out? Well, I know with, um, as far as my memory of Greg, because he's four years older than me, um, it was definitely a walk on eggshells household. Like if if Greg was not having a good day, we all just kind of, you know, mm. laid low. And, um, and like what I was saying, mm. He was very, he was a perfectionist. He wanted things perfect. Right. And my parent, and then he would, for, this is a, a perfect example. Um, so he made his bed. And if there was like a wrinkle in it, if it wasn't exactly right, he'd rip the sheet off, like rip the comforter off and start over until it was absolutely perfect. I know that sounds silly, but I'm just saying no, like, yeah, the, yeah. Right. you know, so he was very much like that. He was all in whatever he was focused on. And so my parents did back then. I mean, you're talking late 70s, early 80s. No, not early 80s, probably late 70s. Took him to a psychiatrist or a psychologist because my mom thought that was not normal because my mom was a teacher before she had kids. She was mm. a teacher. She was around a lot of children. Mm. And she was concerned about it enough where I thought was so heads up back then. Yeah. Um, Cause we've talked about it since of course. And, um, but anyway, so fast forward to high school and he was just getting offer letters all over the place because he was a perfectionist and excelled. He was a natural born athlete um, mm. and he excelled. But I think in college, in high school and college, he self-medicated by first maybe experimenting with drinking and um and then other things later on and to be honest he and this is something that I used to always be so upset about he'd always say we meaning because I was sober and he's like well you know how it is with us and I said Greg we're different I said I don't have bipolar disorder I'm sober because he was trying to explain to me, well, you know what I mean, because he'd get hung up on one thing and it would just exacerbate. And I'd say, you just have to let it go. And my AA tools doesn't necessarily work 100% for somebody that really should be on medication. And mm -hmm. I know there's lots of 
controversy. I, I think sometimes people tend to push the medication too much, and I do believe that, so I, I don't discount that. Mm. However, I do believe there's a time and place for medication. Mm. And, you know, when, when Greg had his manic break, mm. he was probably 30, 31. Um, I'm, think, I'm just trying to do the math. Anyway, he was it was way past the time where my parents would have had a say in it and um but we tried i mean there, i took him to hazelden and that was only one component and even when i and i got on the plane with him and bless his heart you know he held my hand he was like thank you so much sis and he loved being there because they were working on all sorts of stuff and he was diagnosed as having um dual diagnosis right. of being hmm. an, an addict and also having bipolar depression hmm. uh, bipolar disorder actually that it wasn't right. called bipolar depression but something that you said about um a head trauma hmm. and i think greg because of his predisposition with that perfectionist type mentality when he was growing up mm-hmm. and not being able to let things go like i'm pretty laid back. I mean, I like all my ducks in a row, but I don't get hung up on stuff just because I've learned that's not healthy for me. And, but when it's a chemical imbalance, it's hard for somebody to let go of stuff. Mm. Um, but anyway, yeah, you know, yeah. And, um, but you think about Greg, he started playing contact sports at a very young age, hockey and football. And you hear this discussion about, oh, you know, CTE. And um, my dad and my brother, Stevie, who's two years older than me, um, he's the middle guy. Mm. After Greg died, we sat and we just had a talk and we said, well, let's donate um, some tissue so that, you know, so Greg's brain could be examined just Mm. for for educational purposes. It was a difficult discussion. Yeah. Was it have. with Chris Chris Nowinski's group? I'm sorry. Um, the Boston, the Concussion Legacy Foundation. University. Yeah, Chris yeah. Chris Nowinski. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I don't know the name. I just know it was at Boston University. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and they said that it might take up to 12 months to get any report from that. But anyway, but my point is, any information we could possibly get to be able to talk it talk it out you know we're willing to do and um but we were talking i just kind of wanted to go back to how yes you're right the cyclical and he'd have great great bouts of time um where especially routine he did very well he did you know he was in uh, the mortgage business with a former player that he played with uh, at Michigan State with, and he was with them for four or five, maybe six years. And mm. when they called, you know, all these phone calls my dad received. I mean, Nick Saban called my dad, uh, Coach D'Antonio called my dad, uh, like all these different coaches Greg worked with and played for. They all said the same thing of how passionate he was and how he told his story and he was brave. And when you talk to anybody that's been coached by Greg or that was around Greg coaching kids, it was 90% 
the kit and 10% the coaching. He would, he wanted people to feel well, you know? he tell you he love you when he, love you, when you hang up with him, love you, right? And he meant it. Oh, UG, Uncle Greg. Okay, so can we go back to um, kind of, because I, I think this would be helpful if you're okay with it, but what happened? Like, what was the... What what Spiral. triggered this whole yeah. thing? Yeah. What what okay, what of so events? I well, obviously, um, when we lost our mom, he he was doing great, great, great. And we, you know, grief is a weird thing. It, it comes and goes and has different uh, things. I don't know coping mechanisms and, um, but as far as like right before, um, my my dad had called me and he said, you know, Greg's really wigging out about this COVID thing. And I said, well, I bet he is. And I, cause I mean, my poor dad, he was taking a nap. Now, mind you, my dad's 83 and he is so healthy, which is awesome. But even more than that, he's very mentally healthy. And, um, but he's a, he was taking a nap and I said, I'm 52 and I take a nap every once in a while, you know, I mean, <laughs> Um, but anyway, the poor thing, my, my dad was taking a nap and Greg woke him up and said, dad, you, you know, you, they're here. You have to, you have to come here. And he, and my dad said, who's here? Well, Greg called the paramedics because he wanted my dad to be tested for COVID. And he was just so spun out about that. And hypervigilant, right? Oh, I mean, my dad would call me and say, you know, Greg's called me. I mean, Greg comes into my room or my office every five minutes and says, you okay, pal? You okay? You know, and it breaks my heart that right. he was that worried about my dad. However, and it's just, when you say what happened, well, that spun him out. Okay. The, um, being, um, the isolation and, when I forget one of you were talking about how when you listen to the same thing, the algorithm or all this negativity, and then someone that has a chemical imbalance, yes. it's really yes. hard to let it go. Yeah. And do the just haven't slept in four years. I literally haven't slept in four years. Uh, like, yeah. because I watch the news constantly. Nonstop. I know. And that's what we're like today. I have a hard time doing it. I have a hard time let, letting Wait, that go. Why don't you stop watching the news? We, we've been talking about this for 51 episodes about how we aren't watching the news. Why, why don't you not watch the news? Well, we'll talk about that on another, another yeah, episode. That's another okay. show. Not about me. Don't project to me, right? I'm, don't put it on. Sorry. You know, when you point a finger, three are going back at you, huh? Um, uh, okay. So, so I think I heard that in a program once. <laughs> so, 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 that, sounds, that sounds very mm, familiar. Yeah. So, uh, so I guess before we go into talking about, um, the foundation and what you're trying to accomplish, um, what, how do I, how do I phrase this? What happened next? When he yeah. Was like how did, how did he do this? Did he leave a note? Um, what was the kind of the, no. So this is what happened. Um, he was, you know, obsessed and that's the true word. He was obsessed with my dad's health. Anytime my dad would blow his nose, he would call me 
And I said, Greg, he's got allergies. He's just, I promise you he's well. My dad had just had a physical and the doctor quote said, you're the healthy, you're healthier than some, you know, younger guys, you know? Right. So it wasn't as if he was being sensitive and, um, and nobody was listening. And, you know, I, um, I think what I have to go back to is he was so obsessed with the whole COVID thing and with my dad, I finally was able to talk to him. And I said, Greg, I really think you're projecting a worry of yourself onto dad. Mm. And I said, do me a favor. I said, I want you to call a doctor and you can do the telehealth. You don't have to go mm. anywhere. There's yeah. telehealth appointments available. And I want you to talk to somebody. Mm. And Greg had had like three different um, COVID tests. And, and I said, because he just said, oh, I'm scared I'm going to give dad COVID. I said, you're not. You're, you tested negative. You guys have been very good, you know, about getting stuff delivered. And, you know, mm. I said, just relax. And then I finally was able to talk to him. And I said, um, I said, please do me a favor and get an appointment and talk about your fears to either a physician or a psychologist. I said, because this is, this is not okay. You, you, we've done checks A, B, and C, you know, you're healthy, you know, dad's healthy. Um, so let's, let's talk about why you're so obsessed with this. And he thanked me, he said, thank you, sis. I think you're right. And so I was relieved because he was listening. Mm -hmm. And he had made a couple appointments and he made a telehealth appointment. Mm. Um, and, you know, they, he was going to go in. Um, he called me the next day and he said, I'm getting a full physical on September 3rd. And that was, oh, so I guess it would have been 10 days out or something like that. Yeah. So it was, um, so I felt relieved at least he was trying and my, my dad, um, you know, I said, how's he doing? And he said, well, he still looks at me, but I think he fights asking me if I'm okay. Cause he knows that he probably thinks that, mm. you know, you're right. That I think it's overboard. And I said, okay, well, my dad went to get Greg, um, to watch a, uh, the the uh ball game the baseball was they were watching you know the tigers were on and um he went downstairs and they found him and then he called me my dad called me so you know i i rewind those tapes like a lot you know um no, you know it's not your fault, right? You know that you yeah. did everything that you can, right? Absolutely, one hundred percent. I do. I know not. that. Was he actively use? So he was using marijuana, and then was he? Because I, I remember he had um, bad back pain, and he was using painkillers for a while. Mm -hmm. Was he using painkillers at the time? Not that I'm aware of. I don't okay. think so. Okay. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, but one of the troubling things with marijuana, though, with the bipolar piece is that, you know, it doesn't necessarily calm you down. It can disinhibit you and then you can really go off into mania. So that's you know, you know what you 100 percent nailed it, because mm. a lot of times 
he'd he'd start to use the marijuana when he was hypomanic, not quite mm. full blown mania, but yeah. just to keep a lid on it. Mm. And that is like I mentioned before, that's like gasoline on a fire. And yeah. he was talking about like these conspiracies. And I mean, I just said going into know, delusional thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Full and mania. Full mania. And then but by the time um, when he did, when I said that, and I wrote that in the obit, when I said he succumbed to his illness, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't ready to say, you know, he died by suicide, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but I will, for, I will forever, you know, carry the message to help people because if it could happen to Greg, like, so I'm just saying that my parents and my brother and I, we've been very supportive all through the years. It's been a long, long, multi-year battle. Yeah. Um, he never truly gave medicine a try. Mm. Um, he was on lithium and it made his hands shaky and yeah. Yeah. he wanted to play football still. So he stopped taking that. And then, mm. um, like I mentioned before, I think if there were more resources when we were growing up, yeah. Like when he was in high school, if there was a program he could have gone to or a counselor at an earlier age where mm. that maybe he could have been medicated if needed be. Like I'm not pushing medication, but I do believe he should have been on it. Yeah, you I mean, you know, it's, it's so important to get the information out there now. Like like nowadays, I mean, they've been around for a long time. There's a community support, DBSA, Depression Bipolar Support yep. Alliance. And yeah. and I mean, they, they have groups for depression. They have groups for, for bipolar issues. They have friends and family group too, because friends and family can often end up more twisted than the patient themselves. Yeah. Because yeah. they're brother. trying to help yeah. out. We know. Yeah, we, you know. Yeah, we, we. But, but there's also, there, there's, there's alternative programs for bipolar disorder as far as medication goes, like McLean Hospital up here, they've had uh, uh, a taurine amino acid study for bipolar 2 for 30 years. They've had an omega-3 fish oil study for 30 years. And it's like, you know, that that may not be in and of itself, you know, enough, but it, it cuts down on the psychopharm end of it. If this if these holistic approaches are working to a great extent, then you don't have to add on as much psychopharm. So. And you know what, when he was doing that, like eating clean, and when I, mm-hmm. when I talked about um, having a schedule and yeah. he would get up and he'd work out, he'd go to work, he'd come home, he'd make dinner for my parents. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he'd have this schedule yeah. and he was, he was so good. He was yeah. so good. And do you, do you think that your mom's passing also was, was a trigger for him to start to really oh. look at your father more? Like, I don't want to lose that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I mean, yeah. Yeah, my mom was a really cool lady. So she got sober. I'm trying to think how long after mm. me. I think a few years after I got sober. I um mm. you know, she said I'm just going to quit drinking to support Margot. And then she um she told me she said I realized that I wasn't just quitting drinking because of you. I needed to quit drinking. And so she came sober for herself. And then um, I'm trying to remember the years. It's kind of, you know, it it was a long time ago, but I can, my, my son was two. So I guess it was 21 years ago. See, I have markers where I can remember. (laughs) We (laughs) We had an intervention for Greg. And so that was 21 years ago. Mm. And we were sitting at a friend's house in Chicago and, everybody just 
pouring their hearts out as you do in an intervention. Mm -hmm. And um, here my mom was speaking from strength. I was speaking from strength, you know, because it's not like, oh, do as I say, not as I do at all. It was like, I see the sign. And, and I had talked to him for many years in between about, you know, I think you, know, you should probably think about not using, you know, and, yeah. but anyway, in that intervention, he looked at my dad and said, you, you're next, you know, and bless his, bless his heart. You know, Greg's chin was staken and he looked like he was four years old. Mm. And that was when I took him to Hazelden. Yeah. Okay. And um, so my dad never had another drink after that. And I don't think my dad's an alcoholic or an addict. He's just, some people are weird like that. They just don't, you know, he's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so know, the whole family, so you, you're, your 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 dad and your mom all quit drinking mm -hmm. um and so was it was a lot of it because to support greg at the same time no see i got sober before anybody okay. and i just my i knew it wasn't gonna work for me <laughs> and yeah. uh, my my you know how i explained it when my kids were little um when they were little i would talk about my my off switch was broken and that was the best way i could explain it I mean, not you know i'd say not every time i would drink something bad would happen but anytime something bad would happen drinking was involved so <laughs> right yeah <laughs> right you know and um my kids grew up in a sober home both you know i met my husband at an aa meeting and I was like four years clean or even more than that. I forget. He had a year under his belt because the sponsor said, you know, you can't date anyone unless you have a year under your belt. And right. he did an open talk and asked me to it. <laughs> so, and you've been married. Um, you've been married and, and yeah, I mean, you have a great life. Yeah. I mean, I mean absolutely. Not, I mean, awesome life. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you a question. I, I have so many questions for you, but um, you know, we talk about, um, you know, co-occurring disorders that Greg have, AD I know he had ADD on some level cause he used to say, he goes, he said to me, and I still use this line, um, uh, switching channels, you know, you're, you're changing, you're changing channels. So I always tell people like, listen, we're switching around our channels, but we'll get back. We'll get back to you. <laughs> we'll get no, back to like, you. I'll circle back in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're changing uh, channels. So this is what I'm telling you. Like I felt this like, this unbelievable connection and as it's about an, identification yeah and it like yeah. and i remember i mean i remember we're sitting here i was in boston and he we were talking by phone and we talked for i don't even know maybe three hours telling me all the things i should be doing <laughs> with, with my life you know yeah. he he was telling me but but it was like but there were kernels of truth in that Right. There was kernels and I knew it was coming from love. So tell tell us about um, you, you know. Um, oh, I, I, the other question I have is the NFL. Does the NFL actually address mental mental health issues right now? Or do you know, are they really kind of focusing in on this or is it something on their agenda at all? Well, this is I'm glad you brought that up. I um, my son, Quinn, is 23 and he and I were talking and he said, I really want to spearhead bringing this and blowing it up UG style. And I really want there to be like a mental check that makes it normalize it. So it's not just some 
random thing that people are scared to talk about because you know you think about high school sports or even younger than that before you can step on the field you have to have a physical right so i think maybe if we could figure out a way to have the mental aspect of mental health um, wellness check um aspect of it and it's it's so difficult because of the invasion of privacy and so we're just kind of trying to massage different ideas and but with all the different people that greg has known Mm -hmm. and how many people are affected i don't i don't think anybody can say i don't know anybody that i mean honestly i mean everybody knows somebody if not in their immediate family well he was a pioneer too i mean i mean as far as a pioneer in the sense that he was talking about mental health 10 years ago right oh and and more longer ago you know, and, and really try to use his platform, you know, with NAMI. He worked with NAMI yeah. um, in, in Detroit to try and uh, try and help. So, so, I mean, there's only three things that I'm positive about. There's always going to be taxes. Everybody has mental health issues. I don't care who they are and no one gets out alive. You know, yeah. other than those three things, we can yeah. make changes. But, you know, everybody has issues. I don't I don't care who they are. Yeah, one in five people suffer with mental health issues in the yeah. country. Yeah. So and it might even be going you know, it might even be one in four. Who knows? Um, so, so Margo, okay. So now um, you're trying to, you know, I, I was first of all, I was thoroughly impressed how quickly you got a foundation set up. Well, I, mean, yeah, I was, have no, I have no issues either. <laughs> no, of course, no, no, none of us do. Um, the, I always say the people who are the sickest are the ones who never talk about it. There right. you go. There's another <laughs> saying I think I've heard around. You're only as sick as your darkest secret. I don't know where I heard that one from, but yeah, you know, really being open, 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 honest about it. Um, so you you got a foundation up lightning quick. I yeah. was like thoroughly impressed by how fast you you got this done, and you um, are trying to um, you started the Gregory H. Montgomery Jr. Foundation. Can you tell us a little bit about that and um, the up- mm-hmm. upcoming event that you are putting together as well? Yep. There's Greg right there. He's the, cooler than school. He was cooler than school. Just That's exactly right. My my son, I was uh, writing his obit and or I was writing something. I don't know. And, and Quinn said, you know, he made eating a pretzel look cool. I'm like, isn't so that cool. the truth? Like, he was just a cool cat. So, uh, you know, it's funny. We were in when we were in San Francisco, and I was in the giant store. And I'm a neurotic person when it comes to baseball hats. Like, I'm sick. So I'm trying on hats, and he's sitting there with me, taking pictures of the back of my head. Like, he goes, "Dude, not you, right? Dude, it was. It's not you." And and I was like, going to buy a shirt. He goes, "That's issue." He goes, which is what they hand out to, you know, the player. That's issue. You don't want issue. You don't want issue. <laughs> right? It's just like, dude, you're so, like, whatever it was, he had it. So, um, it's true. It's so true. So, you know, I wanted to, um, I didn't know what else to do but to make a foundation. You know what I mean? Um, right. Literally still licking our wounds from losing my mom. She yeah. was awesome. And, you know, and my dad's awesome too. I mean, here I am, I'm a parent. And so I take a step back and I think of everything they went through together as a couple. Um, and as a parent now, you know, I just can't even, you know, so 
anyway, I know how badly I felt and how the trauma, it really is a trauma. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. as a sister, you know? Right. And so I was sitting in a chair and I just started typing. And in my notes on my phone, I was just typing away. And I was like, we have to, this can't be. If this can happen to Greg and to us, this can't be. I mean, somebody that was handsome, and you talk about stud. I mean, come on. Like, I saw the old girl, the girlfriend. She was beautiful. What was her name? Oh, Nancy. Was that, no, the one he lived down in, um, with Lydia, the one he lived with? Is that who it was? No, Nancy was his Michigan State girlfriend, and they've oh, okay. always had a great connection over the oh, okay. years. Okay. And, yeah, and I'm still close with Nancy. She's amazing. Okay. Um, and that's the thing my mom said before she died. She said, and this sounds horrible, but she said, you know, I'm so glad that they never end up getting married and having kids because Greg knew better. Because Greg, and, and as sad as it is, he knew that he wasn't going to be there for for children the way he should be, I think. And that's why he, he, he became UG, like Uncle Greg. He loved his nieces and nephews like no other. And... Um, you know, my kids in seeing Greg's struggles, they loved him all bumps and bruises. They knew he could be kooky, but they also knew that he was on the level. He would just talk to them like people. And I yeah. think children need to be talked to like people and not like, oh, la, la, la. you know, it's like, no, no great. Great. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Right. But that was an education for them that, you know, knock on everything so far, you know, I think they were educated from the get-go um, with people that use or um, self-medicate. We're big talkers. I'm a big communicator. You know, eyeball to eyeball. That's my thing. I'm like, let, you know, let's talk mm-hmm. it out. You know, and mm-hmm. and a lot of that was because of Greg. Right. You know, and something that I have to tell you that is probably my most cherished compliment is um, my my brother would always tell me he said you're a super mom and you Aww. know yeah mm-hmm. but it's because you're a super I sister a too Thanks. you're a super sister too so, so um so you have the event coming up in for the foundation to ultimate growth foundation yeah. yep um which was about i'll let you tell it but well so um the Gregory Hugh Montgomery Jr. Foundation for Ultimate Growth. We had to put in the UG, and he was very much, as you know, Andy, big on nicknames, you know. Yeah, Ando. That's so awesome. Yeah, yeah. He, I grew up being called sis, and obviously, for obvious reasons, but also when I was a little girl, um, I would, I'm going to say, oh, what's your name? And I'd say Dargo Gummy. Well, then for the rest of my life, and it, it was Margo Montgomery, right? For the rest of my life, Greg <laughs> called me Dargo. And so Dargo. I just posted on uh, Facebook this. Um, I, I look back to my birthday was just a couple of days ago. Happy birthday. Thank you. And firsts are not fun. And after losing people, you know, and anyway, I looked back to my text messages and I found one from Greg and it said, go Dargo, it's your birthday. And can you hear him yeah. saying that? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> go Dargo. Yeah. He 
said, go, Dargo. It's your birthday. You know, and I was like, I love that I have that. Yes. Right. Yeah. You know, but anyway, we're doing a, um, to raise money. Um, we're doing a golf. At first, it was because, because I have no issues at all. Right. At first, um, it was going to be a golf tournament because Greg was a wonderful golfer and he loved the game. Um, there are many pictures of my of my brother improving my dad's swing, which I'm sure my dad was thrilled about. Sure. Um, but anyway, so at first it was going to be a golf tournament. And then I, I play tennis. I just got back from playing tennis. And I said, tennis. wait a minute. So the name of it is for F-O-R-E for golf love for tennis for love and wellness is the name of the um, event and it's down in naples and what we're doing is i need sponsors up the wahoo and we need to sponsor holes and sponsor courts mm. and um they're all different types of levels of sponsorship and you can go to our website mm. and check us out um it's cool. ultimategrowthfoundation.org is the name of the website and I mean, anything will help truly. And we just want to help. I mean, if anybody, well, you knew Greg, Andy, but anybody that met him connected on a serious, huge level. And we just want that to continue. And it keeps him close, quite honestly. It's a selfish, it's very selfish of me, sure. but it keeps him close with me. But also um, there's such a need and right now, I feel like I want to be a vessel to fund programs. I saw the gal, I'm sorry, the Harris, was it the Harris Project? Yes. Yes. I forget Stephanie, her name. Stephanie, Stephanie Marcusano. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So I saw that and I was just like, I was blown away. I'm like, I want to be you when I grow up. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, a lot of people say, oh, so what's your foundation all about? I'm like, I don't know. I applied for a nonprofit and I'm in the process of getting our 501c3. That's a process. But, you know, since mm. September 30th, we got our EIN number. So we're on our way. Okay. And, um, anyway, I when I saw what she was doing and I said, OK, I don't have that capacity yet. I said, but if I can put on events and raise money and give it to people that can educate it and make, you know, educate yeah. people and make a difference. So when you say, tell us about your foundation, truly, it was like, I'm going to ask everybody and their brother for money to help me help people period mm -hmm. <laughs> in Greg's I, name. <laughs> love it. Love yeah. it. And we're going to, um, I want to talk to you about it. Cause I actually have a, um, a tennis player that, um, I had on my other show, um, who might really be interested. She was number two in the world at one point, Andrea Yeager, uh, wow, played at Wimbledon. and she, um, it's interesting. Um, I know we're running out of time, but I, um, I know that, um, so Andrea actually, um, was number two in the world for five years, um, played in Wimbledon against Martina Navratilova. She ended up leaving tennis and ended up becoming a, a Presbyterian or a, uh, Episcopalian nun. Oh my God. Given all her money to charity. Wow. Um, her foundation, she started a foundation, but she lives in Florida. So, um, you know, so I have some people to connect with and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all in to help whatever. I, whatever so I can do. appreciate that. Uh, absolutely. Whatever I can do to help. So, um, give the foundation website one more time. It's ultimate growth foundation.org. Awesome. Margo, thank you. Yeah. Yeah.
thank you for thank coming you so on much. and thank sharing you sharing yeah, your, your story and uh we could talk offline i will get um make an intro to stephanie who is actually willie's a contact who i've i've stolen from you willie yeah. but <laughs> she, she's lovely so um thanks again to margo Mer montgomery moran i said right. uh, dargo dargo gummy and Darko. <laughs> Dargo Gummy and thanks to it. Kristen Perry Long Willie Drinkwater you guys rock thank Mike you. thank you thank you, you, you too. and Michael thanks, Weber Mike. back at Mission Control and um, we will see you next time next week on The Map, the map. have a great week everybody alright awesome take care bye bye